Hi everyone, I am your host, Ryan Willoughby, and on today's episode of A Hand Up, we are having a discussion with Mr. Jimmy Rutland. Many of you know Jimmy. Jimmy has been one of the most innovative leaders in the Habitat movement here in the state of Georgia. He has served at our affiliate in Effingham County for over 10 years at the time of this recording. This is another one of our early recordings, so please excuse the sound quality. Nevertheless, we do believe you're going to get a lot out of this conversation with Jimmy. So sit back, relax, and prepare to be wowed. So Jimmy, for folks who don't know you, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for almost six years now, but for the folks who don't know you, can you tell everybody a little bit about who you are, maybe how you got involved with Habitat, how long you've been with the ministry and that sort of thing? So Habitat's really, I think, my fourth career, or as I say, my fourth life. Um, Started out as a computer scientist, did programming and management for AT&T, then with an insurance company, then went into a family tyrant auto business, then worked for a commercial contractor, and then came to Habitat. So very varied background. I started volunteering with Habitat as a construction guy, got put on the construction committee, then asked to join the board, then asked to be board president, and then asked to take over as executive director. And so I started volunteering in 2004, and I became an ED in February of 2010. Awesome. And you are the executive director here in in Effingham County, which is along the coast, and um, tell me a little bit about the affiliate here. How many families do you guys serve a year? And just give everybody kind of an idea for your size and what you do. So we're on track to build one house a year. We try to mix in um, three to five repair jobs, small repair jobs when we're not building a house. I'm the only full-time affiliate employee. All the other employees or restore employees and okay. we pretty well keep we pretty well keep separate I don't have to deal too much with the restore operation but I have to deal with all aspects of the affiliate operation to overall construction management <coughs> the development activities the recruitment mm-hmm. the board activities the compliance activities and all the legal activities of the affiliate I have to deal with and you saying it that way of saying you're an affiliate employee, then you have restore employees. You know, I actually had someone recently ask me, does your restore, is there, is your restore a separate entity insofar as? No, okay, I don't, yeah. I don't know of any affiliate that's organized that way. In fact, it's not recommended, but yeah. we have, we have essentially two major, two major divisions. You have mm-hmm. the restore, which is. Um, a retail operation and then you have the affiliate operations which is construction family services advocacy and all the administrative stuff that goes with that now right. I oversee the restore operation and I'll stick my nose in their business yeah when I don't like what I see but I have a competent manager that's supposed to be dealing with all of that right uh, it took you a while to finally find the right person who would fit right i mean you you've nine years (laughs) nine years to find the right restore oh my goodness um and so you know you've had the the pleasure of seeing probably firsthand more so than most folks just how much this ministry has changed in the last decade yes um let me ask you are you still excited about habitat is it still oh yes we have a we have a needed mission, and, and like in our in our county, uh, every county in the state of Georgia goes through what they call a comprehensive plan. Mm. And I know in our county's comprehensive plan, there is a um, I call it almost a token line item mm. to address um, low cost housing. We are the only agency in our county 
that even has a shot at doing that. There's no nobody else doing that mission in Effingham County, and I, I imagine in most places, maybe some of the larger counties, larger population counties might add more metropolitan counties may have more agencies that work in that area. But in Effingham County, we're the only agency that's working really towards that. I'd like to take a little bit of what you said there about the, the comprehensive plan. Um, because you, you're not the, obviously the only affiliate that's been involved with the gate team in the state of Georgia, but I think you were pretty intimately involved Right, the GIC team here. Um, you know, sometimes I mention GIC to folks and they don't know what that is. And for anybody listening, it's G-I-C-H. It stands for the Georgia Initiative for Community Housing, which is handled uh, through the Department of Community Affairs through DCA. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with GIC and, and what it was for, for Rankin? Well, GIC is a three-year program. And most cities or communities that apply for it, what they're looking for is money, of course. But it's... Money through the GIC program is um, directed supposedly for housing. Now, most of the communities have been using it, like the like the city of Rinkin was uh, a GIC community for three years, and they used it for infrastructure. They used it to upgrade their sewer lines and sewer capacity in an area where everybody had grinder pumps. They put in a pressurized um drainage system so that every house didn't have to have that extra expense. Um, at the time that that we were involved with GIC and active in the GIC, and you attend two retreats a year and you meet the other GIC teams and it's a three-year rotation and so there's three different levels of participants. At the time that I first went on, there were actually three executive directors statewide. Mm-hmm as part of that, a part of the gig program. And the time that I was on there, there ended up being a total of five of us that were through that three-year period. There were five executive directors involved, all, mm-hmm. and all at different different levels. Mm-hmm. But um, And each community used their habitats in a different way. Um, uh, City of Perry actually used their habitat as, as their contractor. Um, and they gave them lots to build on. Mm-hmm. Valdosta did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't we weren't used by anything by our community except as the uh, token nonprofit. <laughs> but it did get me exposure to a lot of different things across the state mm-hmm. that um, most communities are starting to look at, such as code enforcement, mm-hmm. uh, land banks, uh, housing authorities, and all those kind of things to deal with. Uh, del- uh, derelict property and air property that mm-hmm. has no title to it and how to get hold of that kind of property and actually build on it. Do you guys have a land bank here in Effingham County? No, we don't, but we've I've got people that are finally talking about it. Really? They're finally getting the... Tax interest. commissioner and one city planner. Okay. So it's a long process. I mean, you'd agree. Yes. It, it takes time. It's, it's not something you're going to get done in a year or two years or... You no. know. Yeah, yeah. So you it, got... First, you got to get somebody besides yourself that's interested in it. It's preferably somebody in a decent government position, and then you got to right. got to get it out of the administrative realm, which is where it starts, and into the political realm, right. and get whichever authority is going to do it. The county, which is what I prefer, you get the county commissioners on board, right. and that's a long, drawn-out education process. And that, that kind of gets me thinking about one of the questions I want to ask you. I mean, Effingham County, um, it's so funny. You and I were talking last time I was here. We were talking about Pooler and, you know, just seeing what how Pooler is just blown up in size and all the things that Rinkin has now as well. Just, you know, being outside of Savannah and, you know, the industry that's here. But, I mean, Effingham County is a rural county. Half it, of it is. Yeah. Physically half of it is still classified about half the county is classified by the USDA as rural. Right. And so, I mean, like where we're at right now, even though we're on a major highway, and you can go several mile, you know, mile in that direction, and there's, you know, all the businesses you'd want. Um, still a small community. I mean, insofar yes. as its attitudes, its thoughts, the way it operates. I mean, so a big part of what you've had to do is really build relationships here. 
Right. I mean, that's been, well, the whole your whole job in habitat world is building relationships, especially really? at our level. Really. I mean, you've got to, uh, and that's the heart of fundraising too. Is fundraising mm-hmm. is not sending out a letter and somebody responding. You got to talk to somebody because most right. of your money comes from individuals. Right. And you and they don't give money to people they don't know. <laughs> right. So if people don't know you, they're not inclined to give money that's to correct. you. Right? And so the ED in most habitats is usually the face of habitat in the community. Mm-hmm. And I'm very conscious of that aspect. Really? In conscious in, in how and just in the way that you that, interact? How, how do you? I mean, every working day, I'm in a, yeah. a, a labeled t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, the folks can't see it, but you've got a nice embroidered <clears throat> button-up shirt on. You've got your habitat watch on. I mean, you're sporting the brand. Got my habitat jacket. And yeah, if it's a little bit cold, where I cover up my balding head with my habitat hat. <laughs> yeah, and I have two flavors: one a vented one and a uh-huh. and a solid one, depending on the weather. Okay, well, it's been you got to be stylish and fashionable. That's correct, and yeah. also conscious of the weather. Right, right. But as you said, I mean, the the goal of it is, you know, you've got the brand out there, right? You're you're being that brand ambassador. Yeah, and everything, and you, you get. Um, you get stopped in, in a small community. You get stopped everywhere. If I go shopping for groceries, or if I go to Walmart or whatever, I used to call Walmart in Effingham County the social center of Effingham County because <laughs> everybody went there to meet in in yeah. the in the nineties when that was the only store in town, just about. But anyway, uh, but even I mean, this week, for instance, there was a woman that I knew through my involvement in some of the community organizations and co-ops that we kind of have between the different nonprofits mm-hmm. that um, was <clears throat> cutting back her hours at the hospital. She was a nurse administrator at the hospital and she wanted to know if she can come volunteer with me and how she she do that. Right. So, so those kind of questions and I'll get stopped by people asking about uh, housing sometimes but mm. not not a lot of that but most of it's just people that i know that are volunteers or contributors or mm. that kind of thing so you're kind of following in line with that i mean you know there's the element of okay i'm out there and these are people i meet but you know i imagine a lot of affiliate directors just based on my conversations with them and what we see day to day they get so caught there's so much stuff to do you know as a director just day to day i mean you could come in we're sitting in your office right now. You could come in here, plant yourself on this chair, stay here for probably 12 hours, and go home. And still not get everything done. And still not get everything done, even close to done. Do you make a conscious effort in the sense of like, okay, I know that these relationships are the critical element to my job. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make an effort to build those today. Let me say that my board thinks I should. Okay. And I do my best to do that, but it's just not really practical i can't be on the street just going door to door so to speak right i I do attend i'm a member of the exchange club of effingham so and that's an every other week meeting i do have we're members of the chamber of commerce and i I attend all of those meetings right and not well events i don't go to i'm not part of the board i try not to I'm very conscious about limiting my membership in organizations, especially nonprofit organizations that would be a conflict, especially in the fundraising side. Right. So I wouldn't join another organization I was required to fundraise for. Right. For instance. But then we also have uh, the Effingham Family Connection, which is a whole bunch of nonprofits to deal in social services stuff that meet together. And those kind of keep your keep your face in the public things that you've got to do. I mean, those, those you need to do. But it, right. but being the only, being the chief executive officer, chief operating officer really, mm-hmm. and the chief administrator, book bookkeeper mostly, and all of that stuff, and the f- person that has to answer homeowner questions. And, and do everything. All, you do, I do everything, so it's kind of tough Right. to not literally sit behind the desk and answer phone calls and emails. Right. How do you, how do you combat that? How do you sit down and, I mean, is, is it even just doing simple things, sending emails 
to folks, just making phone calls. Hey, I try hey, to do you. yeah, I try to do much as much as I can by email, and then a lot of my work right now is uh, when we have a build going. I mean, I'm essentially the executive construction supervisor. Right. Um, I do most of the order, not most. I do all of the ordering. <laughs> right. Um, and requesting quotes and then dealing with the contractors and making sure I have all of their paperwork right, and, yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. I do have an on-site construction manager, so as far as the technical aspects of the build, I don't have to deal with that anymore. Right. But, um, and then, and, and of course, getting out with the contractors and stuff like that, that's also part of getting out of the community too because, right. like I tell any contractor I request a quote for, just remember, Habitat doesn't like to pay for anything. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we negotiate from there. Yeah, if we if we could build the house for free, if we, <laughs> that'd be our our starting position, right? And, our starting negotiation. Yeah, no no cash out, and, and with a hundred twenty five dollar mortgage, that's always good. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And sell it as a USDA loan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of along that lines. You know, I mean, you've you've had the pleasure of seeing a lot of changes over the last several years. You mentioned the USDA, and that's something, as you know, we're trying to, to roll out in the state and get folks excited about. With all of the changes that we've undergone, what what would you say are the number one thing you've seen that maybe as an affiliate you look back on and you're like, you know, that was for the best. I'm glad this changed. I wish maybe we had done this sooner. And maybe what's the other thing on the inverse of that? that you've seen change you say, you know, I don't really like that we have changed in this way, but, you know, it is what it is, and I've had to make the best of it. What, what does your experience tell you on those things? Well, believe it or not, as much as you've heard me complain about mm -hmm. the QLO process, yeah, the QLO process and then what you and I have done together with taking over mortgages from yeah. affiliates that have gone out of business. Mm -hmm. um, and that whole Habitat Empower <coughs> process, it was an eye-opener to me um, about the need for that. I can see where that concept came from. I, of course, I never agree with all the ins and outs of, well, I don't say I never would agree, but... Um, some of the ins and outs of what you have to do to make that happen to get right. that quote qualification right but um, it showed me some things that helped me get my mortgages more in line right and then I see affiliates the mortgages from the affiliates that we took over to which were absolutely horrible mm -hmm. And some of them we thought were good affiliates that from looking from the outside, but when you actually went in and look at their paperwork. Right. Now that QLO process that Habitat has done is not addressing that issue. I mean, right. they would almost really need to look at everybody's paperwork. Right. And then the other thing that I fought, or I won't say I fought, but that I um, was not an early adopter of mm -hmm. was the outsourcing of mortgages. Yeah. And that process, even though I felt like my mortgages were in really, really good shape, and mm -hmm. I had uh, spent a lot of time when I first came here in 2010 trying to find all the paperwork of everything and getting all of the documents scanned in where we can find them electronic and all that. And when I went to outsource my mortgages, one of my early mortgages, we couldn't find the note. Right. Yep. And had to go to a lawyer paper backup yeah. archives to get the note because we could not find a copy of the note. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of older affiliates and smaller affiliates that, are, that have that situation and right. they won't know until they get out and do something like that. Yeah, it's like you, you don't know you really have an issue until it becomes an issue. That's and then correct. you realize, oh, wait a minute, you know. And, and, we, and I found out that... Um, in our, even though our notes back in the day were written with specific amounts for late fees and stuff mm -hmm. like that, they are now illegal. Right. Yeah, you can't collect that amount because it's you can't collect them out because it's over it's over five percent of the right of the payment because our payments are so low. Well, so all that kind of stuff is just 
I mean, this is had we not had I not got that all that particular stuff had I not got outsourced my mortgages, mm-hmm. which I thought was thought I was doing a great job doing it, and um, I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, I, I kind of thought it was interesting once we outsourced the Habitat Georgia mortgages. Like you think you're doing a really good job until you have professionals do it, <laughs> and you you realize like what a good job looks like, and you're like, wow, this is totally different ball game and um it's interesting to hear you say that about the notes because i think of an example and i don't want to go off on a c story here but you know there was a a note that we took over for uh, an affiliate that closed that had a a homeowner who had gotten married she moved in with her husband and was now renting out her habitat house and you know i think you and i were both like what you you know that those mortgage payments need to be coming she was of course current on her mortgage but then, you know, you and I pulled the notes and we pulled the deeds and looked at it and it didn't have an assignment of leases and rents. And in fact, it actually specified that as long as she was current, she could rent that house out for whatever she wanted. And that was kind of one of those things that you were, I, I think we were both kind of go forward, like, I cannot believe. Because well, our current, our current stipulations are that it has to be owner-occupied. Right, that it has to be owner-occupied. And then if they do, you know, if, then they have to they have to pay off the mortgage if they right. want to run it out. Right, and and that was just a and I can't imagine that how much of that is is probably out there that people don't even realize is in their notes. But like you said, you don't know it until you have to find it out the hard no, way. And then and then they say they get a lawyer to do it. And one of my experiences, even with even with the um, even with the lawyer that. Um, well I'll just say the firm that I'm currently using that's doing Mm. my stuff when I first got involved when especially when some of the changes were coming down with uh, from international Mm. on some different things my lawyer wasn't going to just produce a standard note right like he would right or deed he wanted to know well what does habit what should what what does Habitat do? And there was no right. guidance right. from International about that. I mean, that's 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 one of the disappointments I have. Is I and yep. I know the reason because every state and jurisdiction has different rules, and they don't want yep. to get involved in all that. But there should should be some standard, yeah, basic templates and some basic language that you need to put in every note. I mean, HUD does it for their stuff. Right. That you they have certain clauses that have to be in the notes, and there should be like. Some, something that says like the assignment of leases and rents <laughs> yeah about the assignment of leases and rents about the requirements to make it uh, owner occupied and, and if we ever get into the deal where we're going to make it I don't think they'll ever go to the point where they go to the permanent affordability thing I, I'm not in the mood for that myself at the moment mm-hmm. but that is a good concept especially in some areas what about and you know, point, pointing that out is one of the reasons why, of course, we put those sample mortgage documents, you know, on the Habitat Georgia website. Right. Um, because I think you'd probably agree that you, you may mention just because you have an attorney do it, not all attorneys are created equal. That's correct. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, just because you, I mean, it's the, it's the importance of having a real estate attorney. That's correct. And even maybe go a little further than that and say, a, you know, a, a competent real estate attorney who understands your mission. Um, but that's the kind of thing you don't you don't realize until you get there, right? I mean, until you get burned, right? Um, well, and we and we've experienced that even with uh, the attorney that's on our board, that he literally is a real estate attorney, right? And the attorney that I use here locally, that's one of his things. He does a lot of real estate, yeah. But even with the one, there was a difference between the two and some things that that right. I borrowed from each other. Yeah. And with their permission. So right. That, so I mean, I was at, actually I paid for the note. Yeah. I paid for our attorney to write me a note that I could use. <laughs> well, I mean, you're paying them. That's what they're supposed to do, right? That's correct. Um, so just some more kind of practical matters. I mean, you've been on the job for is it eleven years now? Uh, yeah. Right. February first next year, begin my eleventh year. So I have to ask you this because I remember when I was first brought on, you know, the first thing I was told is the life cycle of a Habitat ED is 18 months. Um, you've obviously blown that statistic out of the water. Um, you and thankfully some others have as well, but 
Let, let me just ask you, how do you manage with all of the stuff that's going on? I mean, you and I were just talking about mortgages and for the layperson, you know, we, we might as well have been talking about, you know, the price of tea in China, who cares kind of thing. But, you know, how do you take care of yourself? I mean, with with so much stuff that you have to know, so much stuff you have to do on a day to how do you take care of Jimmy Rutland and the Rutland family? I'm schizophrenic OCD. <laughs> schizophrenic OCD. Not I literally, of I have I have my moments where I'm OCD-ish, mm-hmm. and then I have my craziness moments okay. too. But um, and it's it's a constant. I have a wife that reminds me that I need to leave work at work, mm-hmm. and and with my work schedule, which is odd. Even I know a lot of Habitat EDs have a Monday through Friday but mine's Tuesday through Saturday Mm -hmm. so on Monday I do my level best not to take a habitat call if I recognize it as a habitat call and unfortunately until recently I didn't have that opportunity because I was uh, erroneously publishing my personal cell number because we do not have company cell phones here Yeah. And now I have another number that I can publish that's not, and then I can make it not ring on my cell phone. Right. But um, you need to keep it separate. But I mean, we, and talk about small community and all that stuff. I mean, I'd be, I'd have people call me at home and ask me about something in the restore, and I don't even know what's in the restore. <laughs> right. You know, but you have to deal with that. But you, you gotta, you gotta try to keep it separate. I mean, it's kind of hard because a lot of the stuff, there's going to be a lot of stuff that you have to that are going to be not nine to five jobs and then anybody that's ever been in a management position uh, especially senior management or in um, in effect I in an affiliate our size and I assume it's this way in most other you are like a small business owner now you have some protection against personal assets because you are an employee of this business and it's not you're not part of the corporation other than in however your bylaws are written but you are a small business owner and the buck stops with you so mm-hmm. I mean sometimes you just it's it's kind of a tough thing you got to have the right temperament not yeah. not not everybody could do this job in, in this size affiliate right and that's a concern for my board as well. I mean, they right. understand that too. Yeah. Especially when they tried to hire a bookkeeper and couldn't keep her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I remember when, when I first came on this job, I think for the first two or three years, and you and I were talking multiple times a week. we talk on the weekends, your day's off, my day's off. It, it is kind of, and thankfully my wife did the same sort of thing. It was eventually kind of like, okay, you got to, Right. You, you know, there's, there, yeah. Sometimes you're going to have major emergencies that, but you got to be able to decipher what those emergencies are. And even I, I kind of slipped up last week. I don't know if you remember this or not. I actually called you. You were returning my call on Friday, and I was doing something. I said, "Hey, Jimmy, uh, can I call you on Monday?" You know, I'm in the middle. Of, and he said, "No, call me Tuesday because Monday's the day off. I'm not taking habitat calls." You know, that's just. I appreciate you saying that. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got. To, I mean, there's sometimes. Well, and, I, and, and of course, our, with our relationship, in theory, my habitat Georgia job, mm-hmm. as unfortunately as being the bookkeeper for five and a half years, right? And and a mortgage servicer and all that, in addition to what I was doing here, um, I really couldn't do that a lot here right I mean I had a full-time job right I mean I did as well I kid but I was generally doing most of my habitat Georgia work yeah. after hours at home right at home yeah and so that I got the question and um, those of you that are listening to this conversation will probably get it too from your wife saying so so how long are you gonna be on this board <laughs> yeah so I have re- I when I took the habitat Georgia Job, I was on four nonprofit boards. Right. I was on More Than Data, Habitat Georgia, Effingham County Exchange Club, and the Habitat 
Effingham board. Right. And so I started dropping boards and I committed I had committed to the six years at Habitat Georgia, so we and we transitioned off. Right. And we that was a planned transition and it has mm-hmm. worked well. Well and I think you would agree that I mean board members need a break. Right? I mean right. that, that, that transition is critical for, for everybody. Critical um, for the organization too. I mean, for the, right. Yeah, because you need you need as um, as good as you feel you are, and maybe even from um, saying your position as an ED and my position as AD, you have a board member that you know it's going to be difficult to find somebody like him. But if you don't, you do not want to keep board members long term, and you really don't want to keep. You don't really want to do a whole lot of off a year and then back on for another six years. Right. That is dangerous for the organization. We we dealt, we went through some um, horrible times mm-hmm. in 2014 when we had a mem- board member come back on as president that had been president three times before mm-hmm. and for multiple years on the board and still didn't understand how the organization was running and wow. thought he knew everything and nearly and nearly shut us down. Wow. And so you need to get a variety of people in, spread spread the joy in, of management in the community because yeah. everybody makes a contribution. I mean, some are very small, some are very great, but right. you still need to get a very a varied board and replenish them Regular. And if somebody wants to drop off after the first three years, don't whine about right. it. Just find somebody else. Right. And that's, you know, I, you and I did a lot of talking when all that stuff was going on in 2014, and we were talking about the importance of that circulation. Would it be fair to say, I mean, I think, I feel like that event, as far as you being NED, that changed your perspective a lot into the, focusing so much on this board management and board development side of things that's I mean, correct. Yeah, I mean you, you know it changed the way you you do things that's correct and then we um, and then we changed the total operation of our board as you well know using some USDA money yeah for education um, and in a way it was it not only affected how the operation how our operation run but it actually helped the board because we got into um, and changing the way we operate where we keep our board meetings strictly to an hour just like we do with the Habitat Georgia meetings we keep those strictly to an hour and we don't we deal with the business that needs to be dealt with mm-hmm. and if you've got that strict hour you don't chase rabbits right because you guys are focusing when you're having a board meeting, you're focusing on big picture strategy. Or are we moving the not right or the minutia issues that we need to resolve to go forward? Like we'll we'll talk. I mean, we're a small organization, so we talk about minutia somewhat. Yeah. But um, we'll talk about well, we got to do get all this stuff lined up because the board and if the board operating properly, and it's hard to do it where the committees run the organization. Or committee, the committees are the work of the board, and it's not just board members. Right. And if you can keep that operation, and I'll admit out the gate that that's very very challenging to do, and it also depends on the the individual personalities you're dealing with. Because we we've gone up and down with that in the past, but. The, in my mind, the key to keeping the board member board meeting short is adopting a consent agenda like we've done with Habitat Georgia now too, where the financials and minutes and committee reports and all that stuff are sent out prior to the board meeting and any questions are resolved prior to the board meeting so you don't have to discuss that stuff because most nonprofit boards, and this is especially true in churches, which is a nonprofit board. Yeah, um, they'll spend 
hours talking about financial matters that have already passed and right. nobody can do anything about. Right. Second guessing thing. Second guessing thing, arguing about the cost of a pencil, so to speak. And I literally had a member of the community that when I told him how we transformed the board, he literally told me and he and he's been a nonprofit board member on lots of other boards around the county. I'd never be on a board that operate that way. That right. we don't discuss financials in a board meeting. Yeah. So you discuss the budget and you and then if you have to go outside the budget, you make budget amendments in the meeting. But once it's set in the budget, that includes the salaries for hiring and firing and all of that, which is the responsibility of the executive director, not the responsibility of a board. Mm -hmm. The staff works for the ED, not the board. And that's hard for board members to understand, too. Right. I actually might um, take what you just said there and have it as a repeat. <laughs> oddly enough Colin our board chair mentioned it to me the other day and I have since he mentioned it to me mentioned it probably to two other EDs in the state and then you're saying it to me again so there's something for too is about keeping that separation of you know understanding that the ED works for the board the staff work for the ED and the staff works for the ED yeah and the board should not go directly to the staff with any instructions mm -hmm. or really any questions I mean right casual contact and how's you know that kind of thing but nothing operationally sensitive or operationally imperative right should they go directly and I'll and I'm dealing with a city organization right now mm -hmm. that has that problem with their council members that are bypassing city management and mm -hmm. going directly to city employees and it's got the whole city screwed up right and, and we've all seen that right where right. you have board members they wander into the restore and you know they pull your restore associate or restore manager aside and starts you know arguing with them about how they're practicing sofas and or the condition of the store or there's a price tag mission Right. And I had I had that happen one time, and and literally the only and with this particular board member, the literally only time he's ever here is when we have board meetings. Right. And then he comes down and whines about stuff he sees. And I had a a, a store manager at the time that was very he he was not easily intimidated. Okay. And he just looked at him and said, we're a volunteer organization. If you want it done, do it yourself. <laughs> Come in and put, some, put in some sweat equity in the store here. Yeah. yeah. That's so. Well, I mean, you know, you don't say to be rude, but I mean, sometimes there has to be a certain degree of directness, right? I mean, because I think we're all going to deal with board members from time to time that don't quite understand those boundaries and, you know, understand why those exist. Not to be rude or anything right but it helps make the organization work better I mean, yeah they just it, you you need to enforce you as a you as an ed need to enforce that mm -hmm. i mean of course i don't but with the habitat georgia board i don't see that as being a problem with our with the current group of folks that are there. currently not we, and no and especially the way we operate but but um we know interestingly enough since i've been doing some board interviews for potential board members I actually make it a point to mention that in my discussions with them. Now, you know, I'm not like blunt about it and say, hey, don't come micromanage me. But, you know, I say to them, look, the expectation is that you're going to focus on the strategic stuff. I'm going to handle the day-to-day -day operations. You know, if you have questions, feel free to ask me sort of thing. You know, we're not trying to hide anything, but just frankly try to cut that off as much as you can at the front end mm -hmm. <laughs> so people understand it um, so you can avoid that conflict. Now, I do have to ask you, because I think we're going in this direction, and this is something I really want to touch on. Um, you know, dealing with board... I mean, we, you said at the beginning, relationships are everything. It's relationships not just in the community, but with your staff, with your board members, et cetera. Uh, you know, as, as you know, we at Habitat Georgia are really pushing the issue of servant leadership, um, right. trying to really encourage... Is that something that, that you practice here at Effingham, either knowingly, unknowingly, your thoughts about it? I mean, just tell me, tell not, me what you think. Not intentionally, but I do it as a natural course of things. A natural course of action. Yeah, for instance, I'm currently the only person that can run our forklift. Okay. 
I'm not technically certified, but I won't let anybody else run it until they're certified. Uh -huh. So somebody needs something loaded, I'll go out and do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like my father used to say as a, as a quote, business owner. Mm -hmm. And he says, what do you do? He said, well, clean the toilets if I need to. Now, fortunately, I haven't gotten that far here yet. Yeah. Well, I can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you do that. I mean, you can't, you can't be uh, behind the desk point and, point and shoot kind of manager in this business. You've got to, you've got to lead right. by what you do. Mm hmm within your capabilities right and then also <laughs> and unfortunately in um, this environment um, especially with the kind of work we do you got to be careful uh, that you don't do start doing stuff regularly that would put the company in jeopardy right for your based on your workers comp insurance because <laughs> right. that will eat you alive well don't you think that that kind of goes to this sort of idea of um you know and you and i have talked about it before with some of your employees that you've had you know because being that we're a nonprofit, it doesn't mean that we're attracting certain types of employees or folks with certain conditions or anything of that nature but you know sometimes especially we will have employees who and I think this would be in any business who have, you might call them extenuating circumstances. Um, they need a certain degree of human care. You know, I'm thinking mm -hmm. specifically of, you know, maybe an employee has an issue with their spouse or something like that and potential abuse. And you understand that you have to show them a little bit of consideration. Yeah. We've, you know? we've been through that here. I mean, that we, we as Habitat, should be more conscious of that than say a um, a fortune 500 company because not only because of what our mission is but because we're a christian based organization mm -hmm. and i know we got all the stuff about non-proselytizing and all that stuff but and then and that we can't just hire Christians, which would be nice to do. We have we we don't discriminate, but we in the leadership at least should function uh, almost like we would as as a I don't say um, it's hard to say as most church, but you need to be. We need to be different. Mm -hmm. So, and for instance, and and we were. We, as an organization here in Effingham, were better at it when we had um, more staff. Because at one time, we had three full-time staff members. Mm -hmm. or Well, that was counting the store manager, too. But um, we should... The community service workers that we deal with, who they're here because they have some sort of issue... Mm -hmm. The main issue is they obviously don't follow the instructions or they wouldn't be on community service, so you shouldn't expect them to follow instructions when they come here. Mm -hmm. um, but that is a potential mission field for us. Right. And we were, uh, especially when um, George was here working with me and b before me, I mean, he took that very, very to heart I mean of course he was involved with prison ministries and stuff like that so he saw what it could eventually lead to but but anyway you need to take care of that and you need to do go above you need to go above and beyond with your with your staff too I mean, mm -hmm. we, we I think you remember the situation we had where we had a, an employee who's being abused and We, as a group of employees, and me as the manager, got involved and got them to a safe place and probably went further than some of us should have gone, but we did what we did because mm -hmm. we felt that okay. was the thing to do. Yeah. So, I, and, it, that, and that's a hard balancing act because yeah. you're, because when you get involved with, the, with the, their personal life, you've got there can't be exceptions as 
in their work life. I mean, they still got to do their job. You need to be right. conscious of their issues, but that doesn't give them a buy. Yeah, I mean, because ultimately, at the end of the day, they are still employees, right. but they're also human beings, right? And in that particular case, I ultimately ended up firing employee, right? Because of other conduct issues, right? Or employment issues, I should say, not conduct. It was related to employment, yeah, performance. Well, and you know, at the end of the day, the way I I think of it, the way I put it in perspective, is I always see the the habitat. I'm looking at your logo on your shirt, and it's habitat, but it's for humanity you know at the end of the day it's about people and caring for people and you can't expect folks to be decent employees or decent board members or anything if you're not taking some sort of genuine concern for what they're going through right you know if you if you you know if you the idea is just well you come in here you punch in the clock you go to work and you leave you know that's not leadership that's not really caring for humanity you know uh, just saying they should be grateful that we're giving them a paycheck <laughs> isn't, isn't really good enough um, well as we kind of wrap everything up I want to ask you just some kind of generic questions that I like to ask everybody in your 11 years what has been the most rewarding aspect of this experience for you always in this business in our business, the most rewarding aspect is when you put a family in a home or when you do a major repair on the home and the gratitude and get the gratitude directly from the families for what you've done for them. We are unique in that and that makes you remember why you go through all the other junk you have to go through to get to that point because there's a lot of political stuff and there's a lot of angst and yeah stress and all other things that go before you get to that point but that's the most rewarding thing see the impacts on people's lives to see the impact on people's lives and and one of the things we deal with as a, as a nonprofit and and um, those of you that are listening to this interview know that when you go out in the nonprofit world, your funders, especially major funders and uh, grant grantors, they want to see results, and we cannot show results in numbers, right? Because our numbers are um, life impacting numbers and or generational not just how many people did you feed today right or all that and right thank goodness we're to quote not an awareness awareness nonprofit because mm-hmm. that's a useful <laughs> we have a real mission to do and it's hard work yeah so that kind of leads to the next question I was going to ask is what is, what is the most challenging element to being an ED what, what, what has been the most challenging part for you this is a complex job mm-hmm. you're running an organization that um, is a retail operation with all of its ins and outs of mm-hmm. retail operation you're a social services organization right you're a mortgage originator some of you or some of us have been mortgage processors and you're a construction company. Right. And there are not any other organizations in the world that I know of that have all of those businesses meld into one organization. Right. And there are not many or there are not any other organizations that generally ended up with one or two people that have to manage it. Right. That there is um a benefit in size, mm-hmm. um, especially when you can afford to have some pure administrative staff mm-hmm. in an organization like this. But in um, most affiliates in, in, that are operating, especially in the state of Georgia, um, that are some of that outside of metropolitan areas, you don't have that luxury because right. you don't have the capital to do that. You don't have the resources. Right. 
So let me ask you this last question, and then we'll wrap. 11 years have gone by. If there's one thing that you could have done differently, what would that have been and why? Not hired some board members for it. <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, yeah. Um, the biggest... The biggest problem I had, had personally was getting intimidated by new board members who I thought were going to be more supportive than they were. Really? And, and I, unfortunately, when we had the trouble in 2014, I was responsible for bringing those people on. Mm -hmm. I just... Maybe, um, well, not maybe. I can say for sure I did certainly didn't put as much prayer into it as I should have. My mm -hmm. wife would tell you that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't um, believe it or not. I don't read people well. Mm -hmm. um, I just take people at face value and deal with their issues later uh -huh. when it pops up. So I can't get a read on you necessarily straight up front. So. Mm -hmm. um, I try to get along with everybody, and and so that leads me to vulnerabilities, and mm -hmm. that's hard to do in this kind of job. Sure. So, um, but j just being careful, I sh if I would have been more careful, more deliberate about who I brought onto the board, kind of like the conversation we had before this started about you. I was focusing on I got to have so many board members, not what do these people bring to the table. Right. Awesome. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Appreciate everything you've done. Thank um, you. I'm going to go back and retroactively put in a little bit of an introduction, but in, so I don't forget, Jimmy. Um, a lot of folks are probably not going to know how much you have impacted the state of Georgia through your leadership. So I just want to go on the record as acknowledging it, everything that you've done, not just to have it to Georgia, but the affiliates that you've mentored and everything that you've done. I hope you know that we appreciate you and thanks for everything. Hoping for many, many more wonderful years of, <clears throat> of your guidance. Yeah, sometimes it's it's more it's it's almost more rewarding going out and helping another affiliate than trying to deal with your own problems. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, Jimmy, thanks so much, and uh, we'll go ahead and sign off. Okay.